This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hi again, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report podcast with Daniel Salerson. I'm Sean Kelly, and we are coming to you today from Studio B at the Osh Sports Performance Center. Well, we're kind of all over the place today. We're going to take you back to San Antonio on Wednesday night. We're going to take you up to Indianapolis for a combine report with John DeShazer and over to the Pelicans practice facility, too, as Jim Eichenhofer stops by. And so, Daniel, with that, we'll only be in this studio, I guess, for a, a small portion of our podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm great. How are you, Sean? I'm doing great. I can't believe it's our first podcast in the month of March, and we enter the month with a new Western Conference Player of the Month. Congratulations to Anthony Davis. Uh, uh, Daniel, I think both of you and I uh, were in agreement that they should just scrap the award if he didn't get it. I, absolutely. And what's crazy is this is the first time he's gotten it and so um, in a six-year career. So, um you, I thought there was. I was a little worried about James Harden just because of the team didn't lose. The Rockets didn't lose in February, um, but Anthony Davis deserved it just with the numbers he was putting up in the month. I gave up on trying to keep track of all the historical notes. I couldn't do it. I know that you were much better at it than me, but I, I just I threw my hands in the air at some point and I said I don't know, I don't know what more I can stick in my brain with regard to you know his place in history and and com- and comparisons being drawn to players like. Bob McAdoo and Moses Malone and everybody else. So just I just I was overwhelmed. I'll be honest. Well, usually I, I try to feed you as much as I can during the broadcast, but at the same time there were so many you weren't going to get them in through the broadcast anyway. So there was just no point anymore because there's so many. And I'm I'm with you. I try to follow on Twitter because there's you know ESPN stats and info, NBA.com stats. We're coming out with all these things, even with the Player of the Month honors, and there's just so many. But it, it's really cool to see the the types of records that he is breaking and the types of numbers he's putting up. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, one thing we know about Anthony is this. I'm sure he'll probably smile when we bring this up to him about the Western Conference Player of the Month. Daniel, I think he cares a whole lot more about the fact that the Pelicans have won seven in a row and are getting ready for a road trip where they need to and probably will uh, extend that win streak. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's part of the criteria of winning the Player of the Month, so I think he would be happy with because they were winning so much, he was able to get that award, and now you have that three-game uh, road trip which after this road trip you only have six more road games on the season you have two teams that are out of the western conference playoff race and then one that's on the outside looking in or hovering around eight in the clippers so it's a big road trip for the pelicans and the way they've been playing on the road uh compared to uh, the few last previous seasons you feel a lot more confident with this team going on the road than you have been in the past gosh i didn't realize it was gonna be only six left after this road trip that's amazing uh, Dallas and the Clippers and the Kings all coming up. Uh, more, of course, Jim, you'll be speaking with Jim Eichenhofer today. I'll, I'll kind of leave that conversation to you guys, if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of going to ask him about how we should scoreboard watch a little bit, because I know we're talking about certain teams that we have to look out for, but when there's teams like the Timberwolves playing the Trailblazers last night, who do you root for? Are you rooting for to move up in the seedings, or are you rooting for just who you're going to get in or getting in? And so I think that's a good question to bring up to Jim as far as how do we scoreboard watch throughout these last 20 or so games. Very good. That'll be coming up uh, as well as a, a, a revisit to Wednesday night's uh, Pelicans broadcast to talk about Squad 6 with Senior Vice President of Sales, uh, Mike Stanfield. Up next, though, uh, Daniel, we're off to Indianapolis. We'll go check in with John DeShazer. He's been covering the Combine from a Saints angle 
all week, and he joins us next. Don't go anywhere. Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As promised, we bring in John DeShazer, who has been embedded with all things Combine up in Indianapolis this week. John's covering the event for NewOrleansSaints.com, and he joins us here uh, via the telephone. And, John, first of all, I hope the weather is nice in Indy, although I doubt it, right? No, actually, it's it's not bad. I mean, it's a crisp 35 or so today, so it's not bad. But, I mean, I've been up here when it was uh, overcast and snowing and, and, you know, accumulating snow, as a matter of fact. So, no, this isn't bad at all. Did you run your 40 time yet? Um, Well, you know, I ran my 40 time. Unfortunately, they did not have the sundial on the field, so they could not clock me properly. Do you guys get to watch that, John, or is it a matter of you all are stuck in a room watching it on television like the rest of the public? No, we get to watch it. And, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where really, um, you know, it, it depends. You know, you're watching it, and you know that these guys have, you know, gone off and they've worked on these particular drills. So, you know, they worked on their 40s. They worked on their bench press. They worked on their shuttle runs. So are they really going to turn heads here at the combine or are you just hoping it matches up to what you see on the tape because you know and if a receiver comes out here and you know runs a four two three or something like that that's going to turn hits but if his production is low then you're saying okay how functional was his speed in terms of game use so those are the things that you're looking for you're just really looking to kind of verify if you're a coach you know or scout what you've already seen of the guy in game action does he play fast you know, does he run fast also and that kind of thing? Or maybe sometimes, you know, you'll get here and guys will play a little bit faster than they actually run. So, you know, that's also something that you you also measure. And I think a lot of times, you know, what we've heard from coaches is they'll see something happen here and they'll, they'll say, okay, well, maybe we need to go back and look at our tape and, and make sure that we saw what we saw, make sure that this is the guy we thought he was. Or, you know, you're looking for you know, things to verify or, or, or to kind of say, okay, this is, what he ran today, but this isn't the player that we saw on tape. He's a better player than we saw here, or he might be a little bit lesser player, but he might have measurables that are better here. So those are the things you kind of want to make sure that you guard against. You know, you don't want to run into a situation where a guy is a combine workout warrior, and then you get him, and he's not really a football player. We've seen that uh, in, in past years. I'll, I'll harken back to the Andre Bruce's of the world, where guys came here and they looked the part and just didn't play the part. So those are the things you're trying to guard against. You're really just trying to support the information that you already have on the guy. Yeah, and with that being said, John, I'm curious as to as to how let, – let's just go back to last year because I know there's been a lot of reflecting done this week, rightfully so, on what the Saints did with their last offseason, the, the combo of free agency and draft and everything else. When you look back now to this week a year ago, 
How much of those things that you just described went into the draft class that the Saints were able to pull off in 2017? Well, I think absolutely all of it went into it. I mean, a guy like Marshawn Lattimore, who was actually graded higher than where he was taken in the draft at number 11 in the first round. Uh, the Saints had him higher. Everybody had him higher, and, you know, through you know, some combination of you know, occurrences that no one can really explain, he dropped to 11. And then with Ryan Ramchick, he was considered one of the, you know, probably the best offensive tackle you know, on the board. But he had, you know, a hip injury. Uh, he was working his way through, and then he, he falls to number 32 instead of being taken maybe in the middle of the first round. So, you know, a lot of things, you know, just kind of worked out in their favor. You know, Alvin Kamara taking the third round, number 67 overall. Obviously, he had a higher grade, but he didn't have a lot of production at Tennessee because he got hurt at Tennessee. And let's, you know, let's let's be real here. Uh, as you know, running backs coach Joel Thomas told me, you know, a lot of teams, you know, everybody missed on him at least twice because he got drafted in the third round. So, you know, everybody passed on him at least twice, and some teams passed on him three times before the Saints were able to get him in the third round. So, you know, that's the fortunate part of of you know doing your homework and and been able to get guys and hopefully get them a little bit higher and at a little bit better value than you thought. John, do, do, the, do the Saints coaches and, and front office personnel, do they seem to be going about the process the same way this year, or is it different just based upon how many picks and where they are here in 2018? No, I think it's pretty much the same process. Um, we talked to Jeff Ireland, uh, the college scouting director, as well as the assistant GM, and, and what Jeff said was, look, he, he's got a formula. He, be, he believes in in certain prototypes, he believes in certain. He believes in certain protocols. Uh, he believes that you know guys playing a certain position should have certain measurables. You know, you, you know, you ought to have a certain reach. You ought to have a certain speed. You ought to have a certain strength. You know, there are certain you know absolutes that he's not going to veer away from. So, you know, I think he's pretty comfortable with that, and I think they're going to approach it the same way this year as they did last year from that standpoint. And now, of course, coming into this draft with a lot, I, I think. Well, I won't say a lot, but it seems like fewer needs than you had last year. I mean, there were some specific things that they wanted to get accomplished defensively uh, in terms of the guys they selected, as well as offensively. But I think there's certainly a little bit less of that this year. John, let's broaden our scope a little bit here and, and, and think more just about this year's draft class in general. What do you think will be some hallmarks of this group, uh, whether it be a, a strength in a position or – quality of possible first round guys what are some of the things that you know that are being bullet pointed now about this group well they're just saying you know without specifics they're saying this is a strong group now it looks like it's you know probably strong on the offensive line and it looks like it might be stronger uh, also at running back and it looks like there's going to be some running backs of course the Saints don't need a running back <laughs> uh, but offensive line might be an issue might be an area where they might want to address because Sineo Calamente is a free agent, and he is a valuable member of that line. He might get plucked by another team, and we know how he is such a valuable backup who gradually plays ends up playing starter snaps depending on injuries. So this probably might be a need there to take an offensive lineman to replace him at the swing guard and the guy who can also kick out the tackle and, and the extreme versatility. And if the Saints take an offensive lineman, we've seen that now they're really after guys who aren't just quality players but they also have to be extremely versatile because they're going to have to move around possibly because of injury or because of need. John, were you surprised at the Kenny Vaccaro news this week? Not really. I mean, you could, I don't want to say you could see it coming, but, I mean, you know, you've got a couple of second-round picks there in Vonville and Marcus Williams who, put, who finished out the season as starters and played extremely well, I thought, in tandem. So, 
no, I don't think necessarily a, a necessity to have Kenny Vaccaro back. Now, of course, you'd like to have him back, but you know, at what price are you willing to pay? And if it's a price that you know is a little bit out of the Saints' range, well, you already have two young guys who are starters. You can probably mix in another veteran, maybe you know, Raphael Bush or Chris Banjo. You can always you know get another guy through free agency at a lesser expense because he's not going to be asked to do the things that Kenny Vaccaro did. Kenny Vaccaro formed a first-round pick. He's looking obviously for a nice contract and probably has earned a nice contract, but maybe not necessarily you know a nice contract with the Saints. John DeShazer here with us from NewOrleansSaints.com. He's at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. John, going in, the other big story, of course, was the Drew Brees contract situation. Uh, what are you hearing? Uh, what has been newsworthy coming out of that this week? Well, I haven't heard much in there. I mean, I think uh, his agent, Tom Condon, did meet with Saints General Manager Mickey Loomis. And so, you know, there's going to be progress there. And hopefully, that you know, it'll take place really soon. I know both sides want to get something done. Drew has mentioned that as well as the Saints. So, Hopefully it's something that will not drag. You don't want him to get the free agency because now all of a sudden, you know, there is a, a price that goes along with that for the salary cap. I think it's eighteen and a half million that immediately goes to the cap if Drew and signed by a certain date. So obviously that's something you want to get taken care of. But more than anything, he wants to be a saint. Uh, the Saints want him to be a saint. So it seems like you know, it's just a matter of time that it'll happen because, you know, both sides seem to be pretty agreeable as to what they want the final outcome to be. Well, there you go. And um, I think uh, after you get back, we get a little break before free agency, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit and a little free. And we'll get the free agency in the draft, and, and uh, we'll get the rolling again. Outstanding. Well, good, uh, my friend, and enjoy the uh, the Olympics up there, as they call them. I won't say the other part of it, but um, uh, all the drill work and, and the conversation, too. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back in New Orleans shortly, John. Well, I'm looking forward to getting back. Uh, in the meantime, you uh, keep that team, that other team, on the roll for me, and uh, keep the seat warm. I'll be home. I, I'll, I'll feel, I'm, I'm good with taking credit for it. That's fine. I'll keep trying <laughs> to do my part, and uh, I'll give credit wherever credit is. I'll give credit anywhere as long as the train keeps moving in the right direction. I'm with you. I hope it's ten in a row by the time I see you again. JD, take care. Thank you, sir. All right, anytime. John DeShazer with us from the Combine in Indianapolis. Check out his stuff at NewOrleansSaints.com or follow him at John DeShazer. I'm Sean Kelly, and we'll continue on this Black and Blue Report Friday in just a moment. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Of course, we have to talk some Pelicans on this Friday. They have won seven in a row. And joining me now is Jim Meikenhofer from Pelicans.com, someone I would never throw soup at. Does that make you feel a lot better, Jim? Yeah, that's actually quite a compliment, I think, in the NBA right now. So I, I, I appreciate that, and I, and I, you know, I take that as a, you know, a sign of how much you respect me. If you were going to throw soup at someone, what kind? Would you waste like one of your favorite soups on someone or maybe the worst one possible? I think it would be the worst one possible. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of what that would be. I would not throw 
like New England clam chowder because I savor that and I want every last bit of that. So I definitely would not do that. I'm not sure what my least favorite soup is, but if I had to pick one to throw at someone, it would definitely be something that I just, you know, something you get at a restaurant yeah. where you're like, that's all they're serving and you want to try it, but you don't, you're not really into it. That's what I would probably throw. I'd, I'd throw someone, I'd throw soup at someone at a restaurant of some flavor that I didn't like. I didn't know if you, you'd give them a little bit of a courtesy and throw like a gazpacho. That's a, it's cold. It'd be <laughs> messy, but it wouldn't burn them. That's so. true. I mean, you're likely, you're less likely to get in trouble in a lawsuit you know, coming from it if right. if you don't burn them. So maybe that is a good idea. Yeah, I would throw a split pea soup because I'm allergic to it. So it makes my face blow up. So I would there throw it at someone else because one, I can't even be around it. So <laughs> I think that would be my go-to one, that's for sure. But nonetheless, we are, let's uh, focus in on the Pelicans here who are again, seven game winning streak after beating the Spurs on Wednesday night, 121 to 116. And Jim, I it's there's really not a lot to say, even though there's a ton to talk about. This is just a lot of fun to watch right now. It really is. I think the combination of all different aspects of this, um, I just saw a stat about how they're averaging 127 points or something like that over this winning streak or over recent games. I think they're still number one in pace, so they're playing so fast, faster than anyone in the league over this stretch. Um, Anthony Davis's stats, the fact that there have been so many close games, there's been a few overtime games, it seems like it – we don't, we don't necessarily like this part of it from a team standpoint, but just the fact that it's coming down to like the last shot or the last 30 seconds, every game. I mean, it's, it's been so entertaining that there's every reason that you're excited to show up at the arena every night. Would you, would you have called me crazy if I told you that the Pelicans would go eight and five without boogie? I would call you crazy for other reasons, but no, I would, <laughs> I would, no, I would call you. Yeah, I probably would have, especially with the way things started where not only did you have a couple um, losses right away, but you had some bad losses, including to losing at home to Sacramento and a couple of the other ones I've tried to put out of my mind now because of it's been a while and things have been going so well, but yeah, it's, it is hard to believe that they've been able to do this um, without a four-time all-star in the lineup. Look, and it's ridiculous to say, Oh, the Pelicans are better off without the Marcus cousins. That's not what I'm saying, nor that it should be implied because of course you miss having DeMarcus on the court. But just the way this team has come together, and I thought Victor Howell on the broadcast brought up a good point. When you talk about Boogie's numbers, 25-12 and 12 before he got injured. Nikola Mirotic and Emeka Okafor averaging almost 20 points per game. So you got most of that covered. Mm -hmm. but then they're averaging 15 rebounds per game, so they're actually out-rebounding Boogie combined. And I think Anthony Davis, with the points-wise, has made up for those five that Emeka and Nikola haven't gotten so I know we talk about just trying to find ways to other guys stepped up it's really been the bigs that have stepped up in Boogie's absence just for their productivity yeah and you know the funny thing is too if you want to be even more optimistic and more hopeful about either continuing the way they're playing or even improving from where they are right now Miritich hasn't shot well so right I feel like once he gets back into a rhythm you know even if he can shoot 80 percent as well as he did with Chicago this season when he was leading the league in three-point shooting for a while, a percentage, um, that'll be another boost. So I think, I mean, like you said, other guys have have found ways to increase their production. And I feel like the feeling around the team right now, being in, having been in the locker room after the game Wednesday, it just feels like everyone's confidence is so high. And even though it took a little while 
after uh, Cousins was hurt, everyone kind of understands exactly what they need to do. And I think the biggest thing, too, is that they figured out exactly how they need to play, whether it's um, up-tempo, sharing the ball, high-assist games. It just feels like they are in a really good groove right now, and that's one of the reasons why they won seven in a row. And, Jimmy, look at this upcoming road trip. Dallas, Clippers, and Sacramento. Clippers game is going to be a little tough. Dallas and Sacramento, I don't want to throw the T word out there, but I think both of those teams are on that track. Mm -hmm. Um, You could possibly end this road trip on a 10-game winning streak. Isn't that crazy? That is amazing to think about. I mean, yeah, I I do think that, you know, we've said this before, that the players and the coaches need to look at one game at a time, but we don't because we're not involved in deciding these games. But, um, I I mean, you've got – you you do have two teams in the Kings and the Mavericks that are in really probably more so Sacramento in developmental mode where they're looking at young guys. They're trying to make sure that they get some of these guys a long look so they can see what they have. Dallas doesn't really have necessarily have as much of an option of doing that just simply from the fact that they don't have as many, mm-hmm. you know, recent draft picks the way Sacramento does. And then the Clippers, obviously, they're in the same mode as New Orleans right now where every single game is crucial and every game can affect your position in the standings one way or the other. Yeah, and uh, to Dallas's credit, they took the Thunder to overtime the other night, too. It's not like it's going to be you're going to walk in there Sunday and blow the roof off. So still very three very crucial games for the Pelicans. And after that, only six more road games for the entire season. So hopefully the Pelicans can do some damage at home um, before the playoff stretch. But let's talk about the wild, wild west. And uh, before we get into the standings here, of course, three through ten still clumped together. Uh, Minnesota lost last night, so Portland moved up, and the Pelicans get closer to Minnesota. As far as the loss column, I believe the Pelicans have one less loss than yep. Minnesota, but Minnesota's played more games. And I wanted to ask you this because I find it curious about how the scoreboard watch. And I know you're probably thinking, what do you mean? You know which teams you want to lose. Well, let's say they're playing each other. Let's say, for instance, let's go back to last night, Portland and Minnesota, or even tonight, Minnesota and Utah. You can gain ground on Minnesota as far as climbing up the Western Conference standings, but you can also gain a little bit more separation from the Jazz if they lose. Which one are you rooting for right now? Because the Pelicans are sort of in the middle there. Of course, you want to just get in the playoffs, but if you're already near the top of the Western Conference standings, when I say top three or four, why wouldn't you want to try to move up? What what would you say to that? I think my my answer to that is my interest in who I root for to win or lose changes has and has changed based on what was realistic. And by that, I mean, you know, if you went back a couple weeks that, that uh, Minnesota Portland game last night, I would have been all in rooting for Minnesota because Portland was a team that was right around new Orleans. And at that, at, at the stage of a couple weeks ago, all you were thinking was getting the playoffs. But now when you're on a seven game winning streak and you're nine games over 500 and the three and four spot, which is home court advantage in the first round, are not only realistic, but right there, you're knocking on the door. I think that change that changed my perspective a ton. So last night I was happy that Minnesota lost because um, it, it is very feasible that New Orleans could move ahead of Minnesota even pretty soon, you know, based on the schedules and everything. So um, <clears throat> that's how I would answer it. Now, in terms of like, if there's two teams that have about the same, exactly the same record, I guess it depends on the situation. Um, Minnesota, Utah tonight, I guess I would probably again root for Utah just based on the same thing that I said about 
you know, you, you're not that far behind Minnesota and you have a chance to catch them. So, um, that, that would be the way I look at it is it's, it just depends on, um, what's realistic for a while, for a lot of the season, what was realistic was, can we make the playoffs? And now it's, can we be the third seed or the fourth seed and have home court advantage in the first round, which based on the way things looked at various points of the season is amazing to me to think that you, that you have a, a really good chance right now to move up to where you're not only in the playoffs, but game one of the first round is happening in the Smoothie King Center. Yeah, and I think it's also Pelicans fans should look out at the tiebreakers that you have with these teams. Mm -hmm. Right now, Minnesota won the season series, so you want them to lose as much because if you're ahead of them in the standings, you don't have to worry about the tiebreaker. Portland, you're up 2-1 to one with one to go. So if you win that season series, then the tiebreaker is possible. Same with the Spurs, you're up 2-0. The Thunder, you already won the season series. Denver, you lost it. Clippers is still up in the air, and the Jazz, you could split. So I think that's another thing that fans should consider as far as on scoreboard watching, because if you do finish in a tie, you could jump ahead. I mean, look at how it happened for the Pelicans the last time they made the playoffs with the Thunder. Yeah, and you know another good example, a specific example, in terms of what's, of what's interesting and maybe even more of a debatable answer is, like, who do you root for Saturday night when Portland plays OKC? They both have almost exactly the same record. Um, I th although OKC plays Phoenix tonight, so that'll change their record obviously a little bit. But um, but it's it's interesting because I mean there's just so many teams, and I don't I mean there's been a lot of years where the race has been tight and New Orleans hasn't been involved as hasn't been involved in it, so we haven't necessarily zeroed in on it as much as we would obviously when New Orleans is in in the race the way they are now. But I still don't remember a season where in the West where there was this tight of a race this deep into the season. It just, it seems like there's always there, a lot of years. There might be one or two teams that are, or there might be three or four teams that are kind of a level above everyone else, but just for it to be that wide open for the third seed, I can't remember that happening in the West in a long time. And here's the other kicker. If the Pelicans continue to win, then you're really not worried about what other teams are doing because you continue just to climb up, no matter what. So if the Pelicans come home on a 10-game winning streak, then who knows where they can be in games like the Thunder and Blazers. As long as it doesn't end in a tie where you don't gain anything on them, then, heck, I think you're okay with no matter what because both those teams, uh, you could possibly win the season series. You already did it with Oklahoma City, but with Portland in late March. So yeah. it should be fun down the stretch. It, it really should. I mean, if hopefully in the scenario that you just mentioned, if they keep winning, maybe you can, even though – it's ideally you don't want to have to do any scoreboard watching like you mentioned, but I mean, if they keep winning, there might be, it might be a case of where there really is. It is down to one or two teams that you have to worry about. And after that, you're good. I've told you, I've, I love scoreboard watching when the Pelicans win, because you just look down the thing and go, who did you gain ground on mm -hmm. and things like that. When they lose, it's hard for me to even put on the television just because you don't want to know who gained ground. And I understand right now that with every game in the way the Western conference goes, that, it's going to be stressful down the stretch, but I think also fans should enjoy how fun it's going to be for these last 21 because this is a race. I mean, when's the last time and you can, you've been here longer than me. When's the last time you're talking about Pelicans hosting a first round game? I think it's been, I think it was 2008. Yeah. I think that was the last Ten years cause, ago. Cause in 2009, they finished as a seven seed, I believe and played Denver and maybe on the last day of the season, they might've had a chance for a six seed, but I mean, six seed, seven seed. That's not really that big of a difference. No. Like you, once you get into the five four, then you're you're talking about that. But yeah, it's been 
forever. You know, another thing, one one thing I wanted to throw in too about these last few weeks that somebody mentioned this last night when we were talking about the West race, and I thought it was an interesting point that even though the schedule is, um, for the most part, you play the same schedule as everyone else in the West, the way that they do the schedule towards the end is even more conference heavy. And also it's emphasized where you play teams in your division a little bit more. For example, um, even though there's only 21 games left in the season, the Pelicans still have two games left against Spurs. They still play Dallas twice. They still play Memphis. Um, and Houston that, twice. Right, in Houston twice. But in terms of the other teams in the race, three through even 10, Minnesota, Portland, OKC, Denver, Utah, all in the same division. So because of that, they play each other a ton. More, they play each other more than like you know some of these other teams right. do. So, it's 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 going to be really interesting to see just all of those key matchups and see the fact that when in terms of scoreboard watching, there's going to be so many nights where if you win, you automatically gain ground on someone, but if you lose, you automatically lose ground on someone because they're playing each other. So, um, just another reason why every game is so important as we head down the stretch that northwest division is looking like the southwest division in 24 mm. 15 where all five teams could potentially either yep. make the playoffs or at least finish mm-hmm. with a winning record so buckle up pelicans fans it should be a fun final 21 games 21 games right yeah <laughs> I just want to make yeah, sure 21. That i lose mm-hmm. track but there's so many things going on but also keep an eye out on pelicans.com throughout the weekend jim and i will have a road trip preview so we'll dive into these teams specifically that is the dallas mavericks the los angeles clippers in Sacramento Kings. Also, we have a player of the month in Anthony Davis. Jim, I can offer our every year or every month wins writer of the month <laughs> in my heart. I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks for coming on, my friend. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. We'll end it on that. When we come back, Sean will be back to wrap things up. This is the Black and Blue Report. What is Squad 6? Squad 6 is every six-man, woman, and child who comes up clutch every time when the game is on the line. They are our full-season ticket holders, an extension of our players, on the court, offering support from the tip-off to the final buzzer. Our full-season ticket holders are more than fans in the stands. They keep the team in flight all day and all night. They are part of the team, and we treat them right. Day in and day out, they give us their all so we give them ours, on and off the court. Squad 6 members fly first class, no questions asked. Only the most dedicated, most celebrated, never decimated fans can call themselves Squad 6 members. Can you? To get off the bench and join Squad 6, visit pelicans.com or call 504-525-HOOP. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. So today is March 2nd. Uh, you already probably knew that. Um, and it may not even be March 2nd when you listen to this podcast. But the reason I bring up the date is because time is running out for you to take advantage of some of the uh, great specials and giveaways that are, go with becoming a member of Squad 6. Squad 6 is the newly branded season ticket holder base for the New Orleans Pelicans, and right now is the time to get engaged for next season, uh, primarily because you'll get the best seats, uh, you know, the selection, the best prices right now. But you'll put yourself in position for uh, playoff priority access for this season, 
and then a number of other perks that go along with it. Uh, this past Wednesday, we took Mike Stanfield on the road with us to San Antonio. He is the Senior Vice President of Sales for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. We had uh, operators standing by for, to call in and become a member of Squad 6 or renew their membership in a different way. And we were able to pick Mike's brain a little bit about what Squad 6 is uh, meant to be and what it means for you as a Pelicans fan. And we thought we'd share that visit with you as it happened during the broadcast, during the game against San Antonio. It was a win, boy, as you know. Uh, but this is what, you'll, what you would have heard on Wednesday night had you been with us on the radio. Mike Stanfield has joined us in the broadcast booth. Hello, Michael. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well. You had a good spot. You're standing up. I like that. Stretching. Stretching. We've been telling folks all night long they can call right now, 504-525-HOOP, to join Squad 6 and get themselves set up for next season. And, boys, this year's season ticket package, very attractive. Aldridge, left side of the lane. Turn, shoots over Davis. Air ball, that's going to go out of bounds. It's off of San Antonio. Mike, just for folks who don't know, and I know we've been talking about this probably for a couple of weeks, Squad 6, we've rebranded basically that fan base that's at our core and will be there for us on most every night. I love the name, by the way. I've got to ask you, who came up with it? That was a marketing brainstorm session, and uh, it was a uh, extensive program, and came up, somebody had the somebody had the idea to fed off, and we uh, we do everything collectively and everybody with everybody's input. So it was a collective group, collective decision by the group. Mills on the dribble drive is fouled on the floor, no shot. Holiday tagged him, but now in the bonus, the Spurs will get two free throws, leading 49-38. All right, so I think that we've given such a valuable thing to our organization, a proper name in squad six. Mike, at this time, what will fans find if they if they get on board here and become a member of squad six? This is, you know, we, we looked around the NBA. This is going to be an extension of the team where the fan becomes the sixth man on the court. And that's done through not just events during the season, but it's done events during the offseason as well. It's a year-round uh, process, experience, and it, 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 it's a, a large undertaking, and I think people are going to really enjoy it. If they call tonight, do they get the, the very attractive squad six three-quarter zip pullover? They, we have people standing by right now at 5800 Airline. 504-525 hoop. You can also go to pelicans.com and, and click the chat. That will also be of help to you tonight for sure. Mike, I, I guess we should probably, before we continue our conversation about becoming a member of Squad 6, we should congratulate your staff at the Pelicans facility who's working tonight. They have uh, earned themselves quite an honor. Here's a lob to the rim. Alley-oop lay-in for Anthony Davis as Rondo throws another 30-foot lob at the cup. The uh, the NBA does a, a independent survey of all the teams uh, as far as the ticket-to-ticket -ticket departments for all the teams. And uh, we were ranked the, the best customer service in the entire NBA. Uh, and, and so it... It really is a credit because we have people that really care. And they care about the relationship that they have with, with, the, uh, with the season ticket holder, now squad six member. So it really is. It, it, Sean, you, you know what the vibe is in that office. It's, oh, yeah. it's teamwork. There, it, nobody uses that word I. It's all about teamwork, and everybody works together. Uh, teamwork is, is as, as important off the court as it is on the court. And they carry that over onto game nights, too, that's for sure. So Etuan Moore gets the shot block, Vic, at the rim by Ginobili. The ball gets loose, saved off the sideline, somehow gets thrown back to Moore from Mills. 
And then he finally scores and, and gets a foul. He's at the line for a possible three-point play. In that type of first half, yes. some of these wild plays, and he scrambles off of missed shots. You know, Anthony Davis, man, we are watching something special. You know, growing up uh, in, in the New York area years ago, I remember a special time, Willis Reed, uh, Earl Monroe, uh, Walt Frazier. And, and you know what? We have that going on right now here in New Orleans. This is a special time. You, you think back to Julius Irving when I, growing up, man, this is, he's, his numbers are the comparison to those legends. This is something special. All those names keep getting brought up every night he does something, like last game, too. Here's Ginobili driving to the rim. Oh, it climbs Davis and scores on a diagonal approach right to left. 57-46 Spurs. Corner left three, Holiday, no good. That just rimmed out. Laverne has the rebound and kicks it out to Tony Parker. Minute 37 left in the first half. Parker dribbles around the angle screen by Laverne, kicks corner right, green for three. That's long. Laverne trying to track it down corner left, spikes the ball, and Davis grabs it. Rondo takes from him, long lob ahead to Holiday. Holiday catches at the three-point line at the end of our left. Now waits for friends. Throws a wing left, Miller's three. Bang, got it, and the Pelicans are back in business. Mike, if we're talking about squad six and getting on right now, there are benefits to doing this early, like tonight. Like tonight, there's people, like we said, there's people that are in the office right now at 525 Hoop. Literally, if you call tonight, sign up, you will be able to get a... Food, uh, food card for next year. You get a, a, a card for uh, a certain credit for food for next year to use during the games. Really is a, uh, you know, there's exploding deadlines, there's trips, there's all sorts of things. So the sooner you get them, the better you are. But this this one is special. And then obviously uh, you get a price break. Uh, that, that price goes up here soon as well. So it, it, price and you're also getting free food. So... You know, Sean, the other thing that's that's awesome is before every game, I, don't know, I know you're, you're working, but there's a beer garden outside, a Dixie Front Porch beer beer port, beer uh, fest outside before every game where uh, season ticket holders get two free beers, full season ticket holders. Ooh, Davis off a of steal, trying to throw it ahead to Miller and just missed him, let him too far into the Pelicans bench. San Antonio gets it right back with 24.6 seconds left. Yeah, I'm jealous every night. I see them all coming in with their Dixie beer cups as we're getting ready to do the broadcast, and I'm like, why don't we move our pregame show out to the Dixie Beer Garden? That's something I want to bring up with you a little bit later. We, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the other early or the other benefit I think right now as we're watching this team go for its seventh straight win is if you can get yourself involved with Squad Six for next year, you're going to get playoff priority access for hopefully this year for this year season, right? absolutely yeah. you know we're, we're going to be uh you get tickets for next year absolutely you'll be able to get a, you'll be able to get tickets for the playoffs this, this year 13 to shoot 14 to play spurs have spread the floor one up high four along the baseline it's parker working the dribble back and forth steps right throws to mills front court left crossover dribble three two out to ginobili up top for three got it with seven tenths of a second left in the half Holiday, long outlet pass, finds Davis at the three-point line. He collides with Ginobili and unable to secure the ball as the horn sounds. There's no foul called in the play, but the three-pointer by Manu Ginobili has San Antonio up by nine as both teams head to the locker room. Mike, we're going to be talking about squad six and our live uh, season ticket holder event tonight all throughout the broadcast i know your staff is standing by and will be here with us the rest of the way right yes sir congratulations on again your staff's performance serving our customers 
and hopefully we'll have a big night all the way around. Sean, you guys are awesome to listen to. I'm telling you, it, it, it's so much fun to listen to what's exactly what's going on. You get the, the picture you guys paint is fabulous. You're very kind. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Enjoy the rest Thank of the you. night. All right, so there you go. Don't delay. Make sure you get on board with this and take advantage of all that's being offered. 504-525-HOOP or pelicans.com. And the Pelicans are back home one week from tonight when they take on the Miami Heat. Otherwise, we'll see you on Sunday via the radio, or perhaps you'll see the Pelicans on television at 6 p.m. Central against the Dallas Mavericks, Tuesday at the Clippers, and Wednesday versus the Kings. Our next Black and Blue Report, of course, will be on Monday probably partially from California and uh, partially from here at Studio B at the Osher Sports Performance Center. With that being said, we say thanks to John DeShazer today, also Jim Eichenhofer and Daniel Salerson as well. I'm Sean Kelly. Enjoy, if you can, in the Gulf South what is shaping up to be a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you uh, next week.